Here it is. Welcome back to the show. This is the ADF Underground brought to you by All Day Football. What's up, y'all? I am your host, Chris. They call me Chouse. Welcoming you back to another show. It has been a few weeks since we had a cast, and I mean, I blame COVID-19 for this. Uh, You know, it's completely derailed my scheduling, my uh, motivation, uh, just like everyone else, I'm sure. But hey, you know what? It It also came with the fact that there wasn't a whole heck of a lot to discuss after free agency. I mean, everything was up in the air uh will the nfl have a draft will they not and uh, I, I applaud roger goodell for plowing through and pushing ahead to keep the draft going even though it was virtual it was a very different draft than what we were accustomed to and i mean let's make this show about the review review of what the teams did in the draft Um, It was a good draft, in my opinion. I mean, we all craved sports for so long now already. We've all been locked down. It's been miserable. No kidding. Um, But to see the draft was it it gave us a sense of uh, uh, normalcy and realism uh, again in our lives. I really appreciated it. It was it was nice to sit. I sat and watched all three days, all seven rounds. I mean, it was it was a long uh, uh, day three, that's for sure. It was a full day event, but I mean, it was a good draft. I really enjoyed it, and I think the NFL did a very very good job, even with the virtual uh, uh, way that it went about. I thought it was it was very well done. But anyway, I, I this draft was was interesting to say the least. A lot of good players went off the board. We all knew that this uh, wide receiver class was extremely stacked um we i dove into a lot of uh the tape this year uh scouting quite a few uh players and i was very impressed with the receivers i mean i haven't seen a class like this uh in recent memory i mean you go back to the odell beckham uh draft class that was a stacked unit as well but i mean i think this one is even better to be honest with you the running backs are deep there wasn't necessarily a number one clear-cut back that any team and was pushing for like a Saquon or or such but I still like this running back class a lot as well I think it has a lot to offer I mean you may not have more than three top guys that could be uh, number one starters in this league the rest of them could be more of uh, timeshare runners but I mean I like the class as well uh, uh, lots of good defensive talent as well on the board so let's just start off we'll, we'll do the AFC this this show will be uh, breaking down the teams in the AFC and how their draft went so let's jump right into it let's go to the Baltimore Ravens and their draft and and typically when we discuss the Baltimore Ravens what is their game typically built upon? It is the run game and playing sound defense. Their draft was absolutely phenomenal. They picked in the 28th pick in the first round, and they could have went a, a, a couple different directions. And and to their good fortune, again, they, they locked in with another fabulous defensive player named Patrick Queen. He is from LSU. He is the inside linebacker. This kid is a very talented player. And, and it's just, it feels like it's theft because, I mean, we expected Queen to go 
in the mid 20s, early 20s, not in the late 20s. So I mean, uh, uh, Baltimore with this selection, they fill a giant need at the linebacker position to keep this defense uh, moving in the right direction. All the free agent moves when they sign Calais Campbell. I mean, this defense looks so stout on paper; it's actually quite scary. Queen was a massive uh, first round steal, in my opinion. When we go into the second round, they did again another stolen draft pick in my opinion I still couldn't believe the league allowed this to happen J.K. Dobbins Ohio State running back so I, I watched a lot of tape on him and he reminded me instantly of Ray Rice another former Baltimore Raven Dobbins is a very interesting prospect because he's not going to wow you with that speed um, he is he's he's a very I want to articulate this properly because he is a very good running back um, I have questions to his game at the next level, but I mean, he has that speed uh, strength combo that you really saw in Ray Rice. His stiff arm is absolutely ridiculous. No kidding about that. Um, he is a uh, he's an impressive one cut runner. I think that's the best way you can you can say it. He's not going to juke you out of your pants. He he's gonna he's got a bulky frame, a very powerful stiff arm, and he he can finish. I mean, he looks for contact and he will he will finish it. So I mean, I really like this pick. Some people want to question why pick Dobbins now when you still have Mark Ingram, you had Justice Hill, and you have Gus Edwards. Why pick Dobbins now? And I mean, I think this is more of a planning move for the future because Ingram, I believe, has what two years left on his contract they can get out from under it with a fairly little dead cap next year so possibly we see one more season with Mark Ingram and then they hand the keys over to Dobbins to be the lead back in that uh, in that offense behind Lamar Jackson but either way I think that was a great pick fantastic pick so let's move right to the third round second pick in the third round that the Ravens had Devin Duvernay this is a phenomenal pick in the third round in my opinion we knew, we saw what the Ravens were last season. I mean, they were running all over everybody. Lamar Jackson uh, had a career MVP year like we all know. But, I mean, they were running all over everybody. And, really, they had nothing in the receiving game outside of Hollywood Brown and and the tight end. Um so now when you add a player like Duvernay to this squad, I mean, I also looked at his tape. He is a very interesting prospect in my mind because he is somewhat smaller than you would like, but he also is very bulky as well. He's got great burst. He's fabulous body control, great hands. He's a reception king. I mean, if you put him in the slot and and the way that he runs – uh, he's a yak machine, so you give him the ball over the middle, and he is just going to take off. He will be a fa- phenomenal mismatch over the middle with the tight end, Mark Andrews. I mean, it's it's something to me that you can now scheme up even more offensive magic with Duvernay and and with Hollywood Brown still being the one to stretch the field. So this pick to me was absolutely phenomenal in the third round. The next third round pick they had, pick 34, was Malik Harrison from Ohio State. I think this was another slam dunk. I mean, Harrison isn't necessarily regarded as one of the top-tier linebackers. I mean, this linebacker class was a little bit thin in my opinion. But when you look at Harrison and what he can bring to this defense – they need run stuffers and and 
on paper, literally, you're going to be very hard-pressed to run against this front seven of the Ravens. It's a fabulous addition. Malik Harrison, he will add to that group. And if you jump all the way down, I mean, they did have uh, defensive tackle help in this draft as well. They added to the offensive line. But I want to highlight another player in the sixth round, 22nd overall in that round, is James Prochet. So, this guy is a little bit interesting. I mean, he was he was jumping up play uh, uh, scouts uh, boards late in the draft. He was a reception guy as well. Very reliable. He didn't run the forty at the combine, so I mean, that's where the that's where his draft stock fell. I really question if he has it all to put it all together. But Prochet is a very interesting player. He's not going to be the field burner. Can he play outside? Uh, I question it at times. But he is another one of those players that you can you can throw in the slot. If you're doing a four-receiver uh, formation, I mean, he is definitely going to be um, pushing for targets as well because he's got sure hands and he is a very reliable uh, wide receiver. But all in all, I mean, when you look back at this draft, when they got uh, the defensive tackle also in the third round, Justin Madumbuke, he, uh, this kid from Texas A.M., he's going to be a baller as well. I mean, when you're adding even more pieces to this defensive line that is already super stout, I mean, how can you how can you hate this Ravens draft class? It was absolutely phenomenal what Coach Harbaugh and the front office were able to do. So let's move right along. We'll go to the Buffalo Bills. They had no first-round pick. We knew this because of the uh, Stefan Diggs trade before the draft. Um, this was the giving away the first-round pick for Stefan Diggs was a little bit peculiar for me, especially with the draft class being so deep at the wide receiver position as it was. Um, but still, you know, they, they got Diggs. So if you put Diggs, he is their first round pick this year. And as Brandon Bean, general manager for the Bills, had been waiting all the way down to the 22nd pick in the second round, they absolutely got a gift at, the, at that pick as A.J. Epinesa, he falls from Iowa, the defensive end. He was relegated to be going in the first round, and I still have no understanding to why his draft stock fell. There was nothing on uh, off-field issues, uh, physical issues, injury issues, mental issues. There was nothing on him in the profiles and the analysis that would suggest that he should have dropped as far as he did. When you look at this Bills front seven now, you, or the, at least if you look at the Bills defensive line, you will notice how strong they really are. I mean, this is going to be a group. I mean, they brought in all those players from free agency, a lot of Carolina Panther connections. And I mean, now you add Epinesa. I mean, this is going to be a, a mammoth defensive line, especially for a group that was ranked as highly as the Bills were last season. I mean, you're building on the strength, and they're going to be a very, very difficult unit to, to run and throw on next season. So when we move along to the third round, the Bills added another running back, and I wasn't necessarily keen on on this draft pick. They they drafted Zach Moss from Utah. This is Santana Moss's cousin. If you all remember Santana Moss, a wide receiver, played all those years in Washington, I believe, with the New York Jets as well. Um, Moss is a very uh, interesting uh, young man. I'm I'm still on the fence with this guy. I mean, I'm a Bills Mafia supporter. You guys know this. You listen to the show. Um, when it comes to Moss, I have a lot of question marks only because he has injury history. Um, he takes a great deal of punishment and he has, you know, limited burst, but he has decent speed. 
Um, he's he's a trucking running back, which is something that the Bills desperately needed now that Frank Gore is no longer with the club. So, I mean, I get why they drafted him simply based on skill set and, and forming that running back by committee uh, uh, tandem with Devin Singletary. But I would have rather seen them try to find somebody else uh, – that would have been more complimentary. I wish it would have been the J.K. Dobbins, um, but it but it didn't fall that way. I mean, I don't dislike Moss. I don't want to make it sound like I'm 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 bashing him, um, but you may not see him last as long as as others simply because the wear and tear is already there. He is he he runs upright rather than than kind of uh, bulk down. Um, so I, I really question the injuries that could come. I believe he had some knee issues as well. I don't hate the pick, but I really would have liked to have seen a, a better talent. But he he will fit into this offense, no question about it, with Singletary. They will form a very nice tandem together because Singletary's game is completely different, more of the shifty, jukey, uh, you know, speeder, and and now you got Moss, who who actually did run better in the combine than Singletary. But on when you look at the tape, he doesn't look as fast as Singletary, which is very interesting. Moving to the fourth round, the Bills selected Gabriel Davis from UCF. This guy, he was underrated in my opinion, um, through a lot of boards that I saw. Davis, he got an endorsement. I believe I saw it from uh, Brandon Marshall, former wide receiver, Denver Broncos, Chicago Bears. And that's a huge endorsement in my opinion. He was calling Davis an absolute baller. And when you go back... Davis was not being praised near enough for how well of a how good of a route runner he really is, and and his ability, his height, his his he's six foot two, two hundred sixteen pounds, so definitely a receiver the Bills don't have on the roster. Diggs is a smaller type receiver, John Brown smaller type receiver, same with Cole Beasley. So I mean, when you add a player like Davis, if he can literally learn this game from the the plethora of talent of receivers now the Bills actually have. Um, you could see this kid turn out to be something extremely special. He's got great wheels. He will be a deep threat as well. He will be a red zone target. So if he can, if he can learn the game within by week six, seven, we could see uh, more and more of Gabriel Davis if he doesn't have a very strong training camp. But I really, really like that pick as well. Moving to the fifth round, they selected Jake Fromm. This was something we heard Brandon Bean discuss this after the from pick saying that they weren't in the market to to draft a quarterback but at that point when you're talking the fifth round 22nd overall I mean you can't pass up a guy like Jake from I am not necessarily a fan of from I, I we know what we get he's kind of like uh I, he's he's better than uh Barkley um uh, the other Bills backup quarterback Matt Barkley um but you get the same type of player you know he is a pocket passer he's very accurate but he isn't necessarily got the arm to play in buffalo let's just say it that way with the heavy winds and the snow um he he to me he can turn out to be one of the best backups in the NFL, like a Nick Foles type of quarterback who can come off the bench and still lead your team. He has those intangibles. He has the ability. Um, but I, this to have Josh Allen already, I, I kind of think that this was a double down. You know, you're, you're trying to hedge your bets and say, you know, if anything happens to Josh Allen, we may have to alter our game plans to fit from. 
but at least you know what I don't hate it. I, I you build assets. Who knows if later on down the road, if Fromm actually turns into a player that other teams covet, the Bills have instant draft capital right there. Something like the Jimmy Garoppolo deal, where the Patriots threw him over to the Frisco San Francisco 49ers for draft capital. So I don't hate that from that perspective. Do I believe that Fromm can beat out Josh Allen for the starting role? Absolutely not. Um, Josh Allen has been improving. So this to me just reeks of gaining assets rather than trying to uh, maneuver any kind of discussion that the Bills are hedging their bets to to uh, move on from Allen if he doesn't perform in the next two years. So we'll see what happens. But, I mean, they had no choice at that pick. The, the value was just way too high. And the Bills rounded out with a kicker, with another wide receiver, and a defensive back. So, I mean, nothing really to speak of uh, at this point. I want to see uh, those guys actually play in training camp to see if I can form a better opinion on them as well. So let's move on to the team who had the first overall pick in the draft, the Cincinnati Bengals. And, of course, they selected Joe Burrow, the captain, the Heisman Trophy winner, the fabulous, phenomenal season that he had at LSU. Joe Burrow was my top-ranked quarterback in this draft, like many others. He just was unbelievable. You don't see progression like that. He came over from Ohio State. He found his starting role with LSU and and now he's playing for the Cincinnati Bengals Bengals fans you have to be smiling ear to ear there isn't a lot of negativity to discuss in Burroughs game whatsoever he's got a great arm he's very accurate he's mobile I mean you, the list goes on and on when it taught when you start talking about Joe Burrow he is just a phenomenal player he gets a little bit of coaching I think it's just gonna uh, uh, make everything that much better for him in his career so I love that pick uh, number one overall we all knew that it was going to be that way following it up in the second round this was kind of the surprise the Bengals took T Higgins from Clemson six four uh six foot four 216 pound wide receiver from the Tigers Clemson Tigers he fell his draft stock fell a lot and it was simply due to his pro day he didn't run very well he didn't look as agile um, you know, it was very disappointing from a lot of perspectives when you looked at him, and that's exactly why T. Higgins fell because he was also pegged to go into in the first round. But when I dove into his tape, I mean, his size is just phenomenal. He is one of these players, so his speed is very deceptive because he's a long strider. He does not take those quick little steps to. Uh, pick up his his pace he is a long strider and he will still beat you he is just not off the line quick the line long strides he will get past defensive backs and he has the ability with those solid hands to make big plays he wins contested catches it's all over his tape all the time clearly separates he's very consistent and he makes unbelievable catches my only question mark with him was that the press coverage could be something of a problem um but all in all i think uh snagging t higgins in the second round is absolutely uh, beautiful you you team him up with tyler boyd you team him up with aj green let aj green kind of show him the ropes as as green may be on the outs after this season anyway um, so uh, it's a it's a clear replacement player for AJ Green. Similar type of skill set. I mean, I like AJ Green a lot more. Don't kid myself. But T Higgins to me is a very solid wide receiver, and he will be in this league absolutely. 
Moving to the third round, they got Logan Wilson from Wyoming, the linebacker, inside linebacker, 6'2", 241 pounds. This guy's a beast. He's a run stuffer. I mean, he's he's exactly what you needed on this defense. You had no linebacker depth. I mean, this was your biggest need on the defensive side. They, they shored up a lot in the defensive secondary, but linebacker was a massive need, and I think they hit a home run on that one. As we move down their board, I mean, it starts to fall off, in my opinion. We had Khalid Kareem from Notre Dame. He's not a bad player, but, I mean, he's a, he's a work in progress. Um, outside of that, I mean, I would I would have liked to have seen the Bengals do a little bit better with uh, the high pick uh, capital that they did have. But all in all, I mean, you got Joe Burrow, you got T. Higgins, and you filled a, a linebacker position uh, that was in grave need. So I, I give their draft class a, a thumbs up as well because, I mean, you, you did a lot of right. So moving right along, let's go to the uh, Cleveland Browns, excuse me, as they had a very decent draft class as well. They have been doing very well in the free agent market. Also, they signed some uh, uh, defensive help. They signed a more offensive line to protect uh, Baker Mayfield, and they went right at it. Pick number 10, they picked up Jarek Willis Jr., offensive tackle from Alabama. This guy is a behemoth. Six foot four, three 312 pounds. His grade score was almost perfect. I mean, this guy can do it all. He is going to slide in opposite Jack Conklin, who was picked up, like we said, on the open market. So I like this pick a lot. I think this is exactly what you needed to do for this offense. I mean, the defense is building. You have the new head coach in uh, Stepanski coming in from Minnesota. I mean, you needed to protect Baker Mayfield. I really... I, I've been very critical on Baker Mayfield. You guys know this. And, I mean, it's warranted. I mean, he has all those weapons uh, last season, and he just couldn't produce. So when you go back and you look at what Baker's failures were, a lot of it does stem from that offensive line. I'd never like to blame the poor play 100% on the line for the quarterback. But, I mean, in Baker's case, it is it is warranted and justifiable. Um, now with Conklin and now with this uh, Willis Jr., you really don't have many more excuses, Baker Mayfield. I mean, they're doing everything in their power to to make you comfortable in that pocket, to throw to Odell, to throw to Landry, now throw to Austin Hooper. You have Chubb. You have Kareem Hunt. I mean, you're loaded offensively. So, I mean, if this line can play even 50% better than what they did last year, which I believe they will now with these two uh, tackle uh, additions, um, I mean – you have no excuses anymore, Baker Mayfield. I mean, because this offense should be humming. As we move to the second round, they did select another LSU product. LSU just ran away with the picks. I believe I saw it was 14 or 15 players coming from LSU. Grant Delpit, he was uh, the safety. He was very highly ranked on my board as well. I had a few ahead of him, but, I mean, you can't go wrong with this guy. He is unbelievable as well. Well Well-built safety. He lines up all over the field in the slot, in the the box. He can play back. I mean, he – his consistency – in the, in the run stopping, I think, might be the one thing that's in question. Outside of that, I like his game a lot. I think he'll bring a lot of depth. He may start on special teams right off the bat, but I wouldn't be surprised if he is a week one starter on this defense as well. 
adding more depth throughout this draft. They picked up Jordan Elliott from Missouri defensive tackle, Jacob Phillips, LSU linebacker. I mean, LSU was just running away with the show, like we said. So outside of that, I mean, you had a sixth round pick, which was very interesting to me. Devon, uh, Donovan, excuse me, Peoples-Jones. Donovan Peoples-Jones from Michigan, the wide receiver. A lot of individuals I saw were very high on this kid's game. I'm still lukewarm. I really want to see a lot more on the field. He uh, He's a decent, smooth runner upfield. Uh, does he play fast? at times but I mean sometimes his production doesn't follow um, he's a very he's something of an enigma I mean you really you really root for this guy to to do good things because he has a lot of ability it's just maybe it's the inconsistencies that that get me to kind of cringe and turn away but outside of that I mean Cleveland did a very good job as well nothing you can say poor uh, about the Browns draft class whatsoever so next one we see is the Denver Broncos we're hitting all these alphabetically, uh, alphabetical order, that, by the way, for the AFC, um, just in case you're following along and wondering how I'm jumping. Um, so the Denver Broncos, again, so here is another team that I have been extremely critical on simply because John Elway refuses to correct this offensive line. Um, we have seen it since Peyton Manning had left. Um, this offensive line has been in shambles. It has been the biggest problem offensively. And again, when this draft began, we didn't see them take uh, an offensive lineman until their fourth pick, which was the third round, 19 overall in the third round. They picked up a center. But as they drafted, you you started to really like and, and kind of – you. It's a very interesting class is, is what I'm trying to get at. It, so they started the draft off at the 15th pick in the first round, and they selected Jerry Judy. Slam dunk, man. I mean, this Jerry Judy, to me, when I watched his film, he is a baller. I mean, what can you say really wrong about his game? I mean, news crept up late in the draft process that he was dealing with knee injuries. But, I mean, I I didn't see that throughout Alabama's season last year. He's an absolutely fabulous route runner. He's got elite juking ability, great release on press. His double move is littered all over the tape. He locates the ball extremely well. Very, very good speed. That's the one thing. I don't know if it's elite speed, but he is very fast. He's got no fear over the middle either. You know, moves quick. He's in a, he's definitely, definitely an elite prospect in my mind. I I really, really like Jerry Judy and this pick to team him up with uh, Cortland Sutton in this offense with the youngster Drew Locke throwing passes. I mean, you have to like this a lot. I mean, you needed to uh, make the offense younger and more dynamic, more more uh, with more speed. And this is what they did right off the bat. And to follow that up in the second round with the 14th pick in the second round, they go K.J. Hamler from Penn State, another wide receiver. So my comp for for um, Jerry Judy was a bigger, better T.Y. Hilton, um, if you can imagine that. So Jerry Judy was the first, like we said. And then you go back and you look at K.J. Hamler. So this guy, if you go back and look at his tape, he is literally a Tavon Austin clone. They are very similar in stature, undersized, slender, very high-end speed. He didn't run as well, I believe, uh, at the Combine. Uh, so that kind of, uh, I would have thought, would have dropped his stock. But he still managed to maintain that second, third round uh, evaluation. 
evaluation. He will be that deep threat mismatch uh, gadget type player that this offense really doesn't have. His only issue is that he's easily tackled and he does have drops. So, I mean, if he can work those out in the NFL, Hamler could be an absolute steal. But like I said, he is a Tavon Austin clone. Uh, no kidding about it. He is legit Tavon Austin number two. And it's it's going to be interesting to see how uh, the Denver offense integrates him into the schemes. So when you jump into the third round, they did solidify their defensive backfield by drafting a cornerback, Michael O.J. Umandai. Sorry if I butchered that name. But, I mean, this one was a little bit of a reach in my opinion. I didn't see him uh, as highly touted as, as John Elway does. But, I mean, he might see something in him that I don't. Um, but it was a definite need on that back end now that Chris Harris is no longer with the club. Then we go to offensive line. They pick up Lloyd Cushenberry the third, the center from LSU. This was a massive pickup. Don't get it wrong. They need all the offensive line help that they can get. And, and they, they hit it there for sure. When you jump into the fourth round, they picked up a tight end from Missouri, Albert O. I'm not going to try to pronounce his last name either because it is a monster last name, and I don't want to butcher that. But he is an extremely rare combination of side speed length. I mean, this guy is a beast. Something that I found to be interesting was because they already have Noah Fant on this offense. But when you see how the league is moving, where they want to move away from the tradition offensive approach and they want to uh, create the double tight ends I think you're, you're seeing this more and more with every team go and look at all the rosters is how they're trying to stack the double tight end kind of like how the Baltimore Ravens did like uh, something kind of like the San Francisco 49ers did but they want to have the dual threat they want to have the speed they want to have the blocking and they want to have the the pass catching so um, this kid definitely does that Noah Fant is not necessarily your, your biggest blocker, um, but I, I I love this pick. I think you're making this offense so dynamic. You're giving uh, Drew Locke as many weapons as he can handle. Um, I think it's a it's a fabulous pick. So when you move down their board as well, I mean they were filling holes. They hit, they hit the outside linebacker, drafted a guard, picked Terry uh, Cleveland, another wide receiver. I'm not really a fan of this kid. I mean he could be special teams guy. Um, he's gonna be hard pressed to find himself on the roster after the preseason but I mean they didn't necessarily go for need all over the place they didn't hit the tackle position they didn't add more edge rushing presence now that Derek Wolf is gone off the off the club but I mean their draft is again decent but Elway continues to go best player on the board rather than reaching for offensive linemen especially where they're drafting always with that seven and nine record but I mean Jerry Judy and KJ Hamler along with uh, the tight end Albert O he is going to be uh, this is going to be a fun offense to watch if if Locke can build uh, like I believe that he can I'm a big fan of Drew Locke that's for sure so we're going to the next team on our board. It's the Houston Texans. They, too, did not have a first-round pick. They only had five picks overall in this draft, uh, second, third, two-fourths, and one-fifth. And they didn't do horribly either, in my opinion. I mean, in the second round, they got Ross Blacklock from TCU, the defensive tackle. He was highly touted. He was supposed to go in the first round as well. I like his game a lot. They needed to replace DJ Reader, who left in free agency. And I mean, this guy will definitely fill a 
big need uh, for them to help J.J. Watt and company keep the pressure on, help this run game, uh, run defense, excuse me. But uh, I, I really like that pick in the second round. I think there was great value there. Jonathan Green uh, Greenard, old, um, linebacker from Florida. He's a good one, 6'3", 263. He is very quick. He's average height, they say. I say this is great height. He's got very long arms. His closing speed, they say, is below average. I say his is more than adequate. I really like this pick a lot. He is... To me, he's under undervalued, underrated, but I think he's going to bring a lot to this team. They drafted offensive tackle and then John Reed, defensive back in the fourth round, and then Isaiah Cutler from Rhode Island, a wide receiver. So, I mean, you don't necessarily love the Houston Texans draft simply because they didn't have the capital to move up and down the board to pick what they wanted. And then on top of it, when you go back and you dissect what they did um, via the, all the trading, I mean, getting rid of DeAndre Hopkins, um, trading for Brandon Cooks, signing Randall Cobb, still having Kenny Stills. Um, it's, it's a very interesting receiving group, to say the least. I know I'm missing somebody in there as well. But now you're going. So here's the thing when I talk about this receiving core for the Houston Texans. Remember when Calvin Johnson retired from Detroit and everyone said that the Lions were going to struggle? I came on. Uh, it was written. It's documented that I, I, I wrote about it many times to believe that it would actually help Matthew Stafford simply because now your number one target is is no longer being force fed the ball. This may also be the case in Houston. I'm, I'm curious to see how this works out. Okay, am I a Brandon Cooks fan anymore? I'm still on the fence. I'm, I'm lukewarm. I still think he has ability. The concussions definitely scare me. He's still super fast. He can catch the ball. He's a playmaker. No kidding about it. Um, but, I mean, they better have a plan in place, especially with a weaker uh, draft class simply because, like I said, of li limited capital. You better have a plan ready for how you're going to make this offense move um, this season. Deshaun Watson should be clearly frustrated um, uh, with the departure of DeAndre Hopkins, his number one wide receiver. But, I mean, we'll see. We'll see. I'm not, a, I'm not in love with Houston's draft, but I see a lot of right in their draft as well So for the picks that they did have. So moving right along to a team that I was extremely extremely infatuated with after this draft was the Indianapolis Colts. I mean, they just hit home runs all over their board. So when you come in the second round, they didn't have that first round pick either. Uh, that was a trade earlier on uh, in the, I believe the first or second day of free agency where they got DeForest Buckner from the San Francisco 49ers. So that is their first round pick this year. And, and that's a massive one as well for that defense. That defense continues to improve and adding a player like Buckner to that defense is unbelievable. Moving into the second round, they had two picks in that round, number two overall and number nine overall. They decided to go with Michael Pittman Jr., USC. This guy, six foot four, 223 pounds he is he was impressive he was more impressive than what I thought he was gonna be I was extremely ignorant when I watched his tape uh first because I thought you know he was just this tall lanky uh big receiver he didn't look very fast but when I went back and I and I dove into his film again yes he is very tall he's got a slimmer build it looks like 
but he has got great speed for a big man. This is something the Colts offense has not had in many, many years. I mean, when I went back, this his uh, NFL comp, in my opinion, is Plaxico Burris, a thinner Plaxico Burris. He is the same type of player. I mean, he has a stiff arm. He's a big man. Jump ma- uh, jump balls are automatic, like literally automatic. He his catch radius is phenomenal. This will help uh, Philip Rivers. Even with his inaccurate play of late, Philip Rivers aging, obviously, Pittman brings a, a massive dynamic to this offense that they do not have. Uh, he's got great hands. His burst is very slow, but he just tends as soon as he gets that ball, even on slant plays. You don't see that from a big man very often when uh, he gets on the slant and he gets open that he can actually cut up the field and take it to the house. I saw it on more than one occasion on his game film, and and I really, really like this pick a lot, teaming him up with T.Y. Hilton and company. I mean, this is going to be a very interesting pick for the wide receiver room. Following that up in the second round, they picked Jonathan Taylor. Shocker. Huge shocker. Jonathan Taylor was uh, regarded as one of the best backs on the board in this entire draft class, and I think they just hit another home run. This does put into question what do they do with Marlon Mack? Do they keep him? They have Naheem Hines. Um, So now you bring in Jonathan Taylor. So for my money, Jonathan Taylor, I still... The only issues I had with Taylor coming into this draft was the ball security issues. He had 18 fumbles. I believe it was 15 lost. And the overworkload he took uh, back in Wisconsin, his career in Wisconsin had 926 carries. I mean, the mileage is already on these tires, right? So the, the funny thing is about Taylor, for a man who has took that much volume, he is extremely durable. He really didn't miss any time to injury. His speed is absolutely elite for such a big man. He is well over the 220 pounds, and, and that is just phenomenal speed for a big man, 226 pounds uh, right on the money. So, I mean, his core is solid. He's very strong and physical. You're not going to see him juke guys either. That's not his game. He is a one-cut downhill runner. He's just got a nose for the end zone too. He he was scoring touchdowns at will in Wisconsin. So that's a very uh, intriguing pick for me, Marlon Mack. Uh, could they form a running back by committee for the first five weeks? I could see it absolutely. Um, uh, th- but this is this is what they want to do. You know, you don't want to pay Marlon Mack. His contract's going to be coming up, and they needed to make something happen. So Taylor was that guy. Uh, Julian Blackman, safety out of Utah, was the pick in the third round, and then they follow that up in the fourth round with Jacob Eason. Another steal, in my opinion. Frank Reich and Chris Bowler, general manager and head coach, uh, respectively. These guys are doing a marvelous job with this club. I mean, when you know you brought in Phillip Rivers to be that guy for this year, possibly next year, um, because you know Rivers still has something left. He just needed a good offense. And and you could see that the Chargers were kind of on the downtrend. Behind this offensive line that the Colts employ – Philip Rivers, in my opinion, could have one of his best seasons, even with the regression in his ability. Um, don't get that wrong. I'm telling you this, especially with how this offense is being constructed with the added playmakers. And then now you add a guy like Jacob Eason to learn from. This kid was already already uh, being touted to go in the first round with his fabulous arm strength. He can just drive that ball like his accuracy is very good. 
you know, he's a, he's a pocket guy. He has got adequate mobility, um, but he's not going to be that running quarterback. And, and, that, and that maybe is why he fell in the draft um, all the way to the fourth round, just like from, I mean, the league is changing. We know this, that you, you want mobility in your passer. Um, but I really like the pick a lot. I think Eason is going to turn out to be a very, uh, very fine quarterback in this league, especially playing in the dome in uh, Indianapolis. So, I mean, does this uh, basically seal the fate of Jacoby Brissett being on another club? I think it might. Um, they may hold three quarterbacks this year, so we'll see how that pans out. And then when you follow up their draft, I mean, it was a lot of depth needs that they, they needed um, to fill. And and I think they did very well. I mean, they they drafted more. They drafted another guard, defensive tackle, defensive back, another receiver, and then another inside linebacker. So I mean, a lot of that will be depth pieces. Um, you may not see them all be uh, uh, starting contributors this season, but I love what they did in key areas and got some extremely high. Uh, elite prospect talent out of this draft. I thought it was a slam dunk, especially with not having that first round pick going to San Francisco. So moving to the next team, we have the Jacksonville Jaguars and they had a plethora of picks. I mean, they had a multitude of picks in this draft. So the thing is with the Jaguars that really confuses me is that they had all this talent simply what two, three years ago dominating teams on the defensive side nobody could play uh, against this Jaguars defense it was just locked down on all areas front line linebackers defensive backs I mean there was very few holes you could find and and all of a sudden uh, this year they just blew everything up going back to last year even when they were trading Jalen Ramsey and company I mean this draft was a definite rebuild but I just didn't understand why why do it now you drafted all those players before you built them you uh, uh you helped them become who they were and then you just got rid of them so i found that a little peculiar but reloading in this draft we started off with cj henderson at the ninth overall pick i thought this was a little bit high for henderson i do believe in his ability he is a great talent he's 61204 is very rangy very fast very physical i mean he could I've seen a lot of people say that he was the best defensive back in this draft. I could argue it. I still like uh, the kid that went to uh, the Carolina Panthers. Uh, his name is vading me right now. But, I mean, um, uh, Henderson is a good pick. He's a solid pick. But is he a top 10 pick? I would question it. I mean, he's got a lot to live up to now uh, being drafted that high. But, again, definite need. No Jalen Ramsey. No A.J. Bouye. I mean, you have a lot to fill, so C.J. Henderson is going to be that guy. And like I said, big shoes to fill. First-round pick again. They had two this year um, in the 20th. Uh, the first one was ninth overall. This one was a 20th uh, overall pick, and they picked LSU product. He is the outside uh, edge rusher, linebacker, however you want to call him. And, of course, his name is Calevon Chason. He is a good one as well. He, he, I expected him to go on the first round with his ability. His ranking was extremely high as well. Um, and so, again, they fill another giant need. Now they have a tandem with Josh Allen on the defensive line where they can start to build around. Obviously, they got rid of Calais Campbell. So, I mean, there was a lot of holes on this defensive line. Marcel Darius is also not there anymore. Perhaps he comes back after uh, uh, some time away, signs another deal on the free agent market. But I like those two first picks. I mean, it's two builders 
building blocks. You need to reset this defense. You need to rebuild. So I really like that pick. So moving into the second round, they picked a shocker, in my opinion, LaVisca Sinault Jr., this guy, to me, is very intriguing. Um, he has injury history. He's He had that core surgery, which kind of dropped him down my board. He is 6'1", 227 pounds. I mean, he's built like a truck. I mean, this guy, he is a talented player. He is a true on playmaker. He lined up in the backfield. He reminds me a lot of Cordero Patterson, to be honest with you. He's built like a running back. Clearly, like he can play the wildcat. He can play in the backfield, take those reverses, and he can make plays. The difference was he didn't run very well at the combine, but when you review his tape, he looks extremely explosive and fast. I mean, his burst is phenomenal as well. His frame, I mean, he's going to bowl people over. And this is kind of something I was trying to debate after they picked him is is how is he going to fit into this offense like DJ Chark, DD Westbrook, now you add a LaVisca Sinault. I mean, if 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 Sinault plays majority of his role in the slot, I'm I'm okay with this. I think this is going to be a home run for them as well. They needed some dynamic playmaking ability, open up Chark even more because he's looking like the real deal. And and maybe you you roll in with Minshew. I mean, if Minshew can do this, and, and and you're gonna you're gonna roll with him. I think it's a great great addition. You know, you need players over the middle with speed that you can trust. And I think he's gonna be very, very good. Uh coming in the third round, Davon Hamilton, Ohio State defensive tackle, another massive need, right? They need to build this defense. So the first three picks go to the defensive side and it's warranted. I'm not gonna argue one bit i mean harrison hamilton excuse me is a very good player he's a big guy i mean he's not overly explosive he's six foot four 320 pounds he is your traditional run stuffer and and that's what he's going to be uh leaned upon to do so when we roll down their board as well again this looks a lot like need you don't see a lot just throwing out ben barch he's the offensive tackle he looks like he could be something uh pretty decent he was selected in the fourth round and then you see linebacker line or defensive back linebacker safety uh you know and and the list goes on and on I mean you you keep uh uh seeing how the the Jaguars are trying to build and I mean did they hit it maybe not but I don't hate this draft class um I'm not in love with it um, outside of the first three rounds, first four rounds maybe. Um, they, they could have done a lot better in the later rounds, but it is a good unit, and they started to uh, uh, progress in their rebuild already. So moving on to the Super Bowl champions, the Kansas City Chiefs. They didn't have a lot of draft capital as well, and they were picking uh, in the first round, obviously 32nd overall, and they shocked me as well. They went with uh, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. So everybody is on Hilaire's bandwagon coming into this draft. I wasn't necessarily the biggest Hilaire supporter. I appreciated his game. But when I went back and I reviewed, I had to really study Hilaire a lot. Um, But he let me paint you a picture. He reminds me a lot of Doug Martin. Um, maybe even a more skilled Doug Martin. He is very quick versus fast. Okay, he doesn't have that breakaway speed when he gets into the open field, and he's not gonna burn anybody in the NFL. Uh, don't kid yourselves; he won't do it. 
but he's very quick. He's so shifty, and then he has that second gear burst that will get you by on the edge, that will get you by a slower linebacker or safety. So, I mean, that's where he'll make his money. His balance and his vision is is unparalleledly fantastic he is so good in those departments it was it was absolutely a a joy to watch on film and his sidestep is legit world class i mean when he moves he it's like he doesn't even miss a step when he sidesteps a defender it's unbelievable his speed is just is constant um he's a great receiver as well didn't take a lot of work in LSU, so that's another positive that I saw, and and I'm guarantee that uh, Andy Reid saw as well. So his legs will be absolutely fresh. His power is decent. I wouldn't want to credit that any more than that. Um, and I do really question if he's going to be able to handle a full three down workload. So I do believe that you will see Hilaire be in a uh, running back committee as well. I think Damian Williams is going to still have his role. So, I mean, when you are talking fantasy football, let's just throw that in there. I mean, you really need to, to understand what his role is going to be um, on this offense before you're going to go and reach for him. Because I even see him being ahead of uh, Josh Jacobs in some areas. And I think that's crazy at this point. You need to to see how he's going to be integrated in this offense and what he can do in the NFL. Do I believe he will be a talent that will be coveted? Uh, absolutely. I mean, dynasty leagues, if you're talking Hilaire uh, first pick, I mean, I, I'll argue it. I'll say Jonathan Taylor simply because of uh, offensive line, but I can see where you're going, PPR format, etc. But, I mean, when it comes to the draft, uh, Clyde Edwards, Hilaire, he is – uh, uh, he's a good player. I'm just I was shocked that he was uh, taken by the Chiefs uh, in the last pick in the in the first round. Moving right along to the second round, the Chiefs hit a home run in my opinion. Willie Gay Jr. from Mississippi State. This guy is a baller. He did not get as much respect as I would have uh, uh, liked to have seen. His combination of size, speed, you know, length, and and field stretch, this guy, he is he's very good. He's a great run defender. His burst is fantastic, and I believe he can give you something in the pass game as well. So, I mean, he did have issues. Um, I believe he was suspended. I'd have to go back and check that, but I believe he had that uh, suspension back in college, which would have definitely dropped his stock. But, again, I think this... This was a massive need for the Chiefs, and they hit a home run. Moving to the uh, offensive side, they went uh, offensive tackle with Lucas Nang. Uh, Niang, uh, again, you can't have enough, near enough depth at the offensive line, especially with a player like Patrick Mahomes. You don't have um, the true three-down running back, so you're going to recreate your run game in the screen passes as well, so you need a nimble tackle to hit those edges, so I like that pick as well. And then as you move down the board, a little bit more depth rather than uh, starting appeal in my mind, but Willie Gay Jr. and uh, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, I think they're, they're very, very good picks, and I mean, really, did the Chiefs have that many holes? I thought really they would have um, uh, addressed their defensive back position a lot more. Now you have Breland. The suspension just came out, or he's going to get suspended. He was arrested on a traffic violation, had the marijuana. I believe he had some alcohol or whatnot. So um, uh, that's going to be a massive hole. Breland is not going to be there. They lost Fuller in free agency. So, I mean, your, your secondary is definitely struggling. So I know that they hit the uh, undrafted free agent market a lot to serve that purpose. So we'll see what they got in that department. 
department um, as the offseason continues to move forward. So let's jump to a division rival of the Chiefs, the L.A. Chargers. So they were picking sixth overall. They had, I believe, uh, two first rounds. Uh, no, they traded back into the first round at uh, 23. So when you look at their draft, I'm in love with their first three picks, and then you jump to their seventh pick. I love this draft. So when you thought about the conversation of the Miami Dolphins selecting uh, Tua uh, Tagovailoa in the first round, then it would have been what are the Chargers going to do? Will they trade down? Do they like Justin Herbert? And they did. They they pushed the button and they said Herbert's our guy. Obviously, it was after Tua was uh, drafted by the Dolphins. I like this pick for the Chargers a lot. I'm I'm a big fan of Justin Herbert simply because he's not that flashy quarterback, but he's got all the intangibles as well. He's got that excuse me, he's got that strong arm. He's extremely accurate, and I think he's got some mobility to his game. I mean, he's, he may not uh, stretch the field like uh, Lamar Jackson, obviously, but he's good, man. He's he's really good. His passes were, were on a dime at his pro day. I saw the video. Uh, I thought it was very good. He's got rare size. He's very tall, six foot six, 236 pounds. So, I mean, he is going to see over the offensive line. He's going to be able to read defenses, and I think this is a good uh, a good pick. I mean, especially since the Chargers are planning as they've said to go with Tyrod Taylor as their starting quarterback I don't necessarily buy that um, you may see Taylor play like something like he did in Cleveland if Taylor gets hurt Herbert's going to come in he won't give the job back or if Taylor struggles you're going to see Herbert in uh, I want to say latest week three four um, and, the, and the Chargers will let Herbert run with the show so as trading uh, as we said they traded back into the first round got the 23rd overall pick from the New England Patriots and they selected the second best linebacker in this draft in Kenneth Murray this is a absolute steal for a defense that is loaded Oklahoma knows what I'm talking about Kenneth Murray is this inside linebacker that you you covet he has the speed he has the run stuffing he can play in coverage you know spying quarterbacks he does everything very very well this was a giant need for the Chargers and and I was uh I wasn't surprised that they moved back into the first round but it was just a fabulous move uh, to get Herbert and then come back with Kenneth Murray. So I, I, with those two first picks, I love what they did. Going to the fourth round, they had no third, uh, third round pick. Uh, they go with the UCLA Joshua Kelly, the running back. I was intrigued with Kelly. I wasn't necessarily the biggest supporter, but when I went back after they picked uh, they picked Kelly, I had to go back and, and watch some more tape on him. And he's very shifty. He's a good running back. And this bodes a lot to me to suggest you can't be all in on Austin Eckler to be the primary guy. Justin Jackson as well. You can't be all in on these two guys. You needed to bring in something else, and Joshua Kelly has a great opportunity to steal a starting role in in Los Angeles for the Chargers. Um, watch this kid a lot. I mean, I'm telling you, if his training camp and his preseason goes, if we have it, obviously with COVID, but I mean, if he, if he does well in the offseason, 
Um, you could see Austin Eckler just go back to his role of being that pass catching back, the change of pace back, and we could see Joshua Kelly take over. Uh, he's he's very he's built very well. He's five eleven, two twelve. Um, I, I did question his speed at times, but he he's a he's a great player, and I think they hit a home run as well on that one. And then when you jump to the seventh round, you got KJ Hill. The value here is off the charts. I mean, Ohio State wide receiver, seventh round pick. He's got good size. He's six foot, nearly two hundred pounds. Um, they say he's undersized for a slot. I don't see it. I think he is going to be fantastic. He's a smooth runner, burst out of his breaks. He's he's very instinctive. That's what I like about this kid a lot. And, I mean, when you get a player like this in the seventh round, he's going to definitely make this team, and he could actually become uh, something of a big-time player uh, for this team. So I really applaud them, uh, the Chargers, for, for going after him in the seventh round. Fantastic pick. So moving right along, another division rival of the AFC West, the Las Vegas Raiders. So here's the thing. A lot of people criticize Mike Mayock and John Gruden for what they do with this club. I don't hate it whatsoever. I mean, they went after Henry Ruggs, first receiver off the board. I was shocked. I thought they were going to go with CeeDee Lamb. Um, but I'm a Henry Ruggs supporter and through and through, no question about it. When people want to suggest that Ruggs is going to turn into something like a John Ross, uh, you're absolutely kidding yourself. He is he is more than just a one-trick pony, absolutely. He do, He's blazing speed, the fastest receiver in this draft, without a question. Will he be that deep threat? No question about it. However, he is an absolutely excellent route runner. His speed aids him in that route running ability. That slant route is is nearly automatic. So even when I was dissecting his tape, I mean, everything about his game throws at me the player comp Deshaun Jackson. I mean, this is what the Raiders are definitely getting when they get Henry Ruggs. And you know Mike Mayock sees it too. I mean, everything. Even contested catches are littered all over his tape. The double move on his routes. Like, you don't get this with a pure... A deep threat who is just a straight line runner. Ruggs is more than that, and you will see it. I mean, can we see all the fruits of this exploit with Derek Carr being the quarterback? Maybe not, but I still have belief in Carr. He has thrown over 30 touchdowns in this league before, so I do believe that he could do that with Ruggs. And then they did draft another receiver in the third round named Brian Edwards. So, Another great receiver. This is actually the the opposite of rugs. So what you've done is you've created a one-two punch. So Edwards is 6'3", 212, where rugs is that speedy 5'11", 188. So this is a beautiful combination, in my opinion. And Mike Mayock, I mean, I, I question him at times, but when it comes to these two receivers, I mean, his comp for me, Brian Edwards, is Braylon Edwards. If you remember Braylon Edwards back in the day with the Cleveland Browns, he's a very strong physical receiver. Game speed looks very good. He's fabulous at boxing out. He's got good hands. He has a few drops here and there, but, I mean, his leaping ability, he's going to be able to hit everybody uncontested. 
contested catches. His problem is that he relies too much on his strength to get the release. So when you're playing in the NFL, I mean, it also if you're if you're uh, depending on your strength to get that release, it's obviously going to inhibit your run, uh, your route run ability as well. Your timing is going to be off. So I mean, either way though, I think this is a n- massive steal. He's going to be a natural fit, and then you add Terrell Williams uh, in this group as well, who is also a, a tall burner type of wide receiver. And then uh, whoever's going to win that slot role, whether it's Nelson Aguilar or Hunter Renfro. I mean, this 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 receiving core is starting to shape up to be something very special. And and Derek Carr, I mean, you got weapons again now. So now you you lost Amari Cooper, and now you got these weapons all over the field. So we we'll jump back because the Raiders did have another first round pick, and they. they they went after Ohio State's Damon Arnett. I like this kid a lot. This defensive back, I, I'm i a big fan of what Ohio State does on the defensive side, especially in the defensive backs that they're producing. He's got good size. You know, he's above average top end speed, smooth. I mean, I like this kid. I like him a lot. I think he's going to add a lot to that defense, which is building. And and when you follow that up with Ruggs, this is what Mayock is doing. This is what Gruden is doing. They're going after the players that they want, that they covet, that will fit their system to the T and how they run it. So I can't hate it whatsoever. Then Lynn Bowden Jr., this guy I believe is going to be a running back. He played all positions. He played quarterback, wide receiver, and running back. And I believe uh, they said that he is his unique skill gives him that ability to uh, switch to the running back position. I believe it was just confirmed recently that he will switch to running back to give that one uh, extra bump I guess in the in the third down pass game from the backfield uh, to kind of spell Jacobs to kind of have that extra weapon so I mean you, you really got to like exactly what the what the Raiders are doing I mean their offensive line is still very strong so you can't hate on that whatsoever and then they just they're just adding playmakers all over the board I'm I'm very impressed with this draft by the Raiders and how their team is shaping up so we're moving right along the Miami Dolphins so this was the talk of the town Obviously, they were the quarterback needy team. They needed to uh, have some kind of future. I really thought they were going to trade up, but obviously the virtual draft made it so uh, it, it was somewhat difficult to move up and down the board. But nevertheless, tank for Tua. They had they wanted the first round pick, and they still got Tua at, at number five. Tua, we all know, Tua Tagovailoa. I'm going to get his name right, hopefully, uh, as the season goes on so it rolls off the tongue. But he is a very talented player, the left-handed quarterback. Um, I've never been a fan of lefties. I mean, obviously, you got the Steve Young, who was very good. How can you hate Tua's game? He is, he's got everything in his arsenal. His, the, the arm strength is there. I mean, he's extremely accurate. He is mobile. Um, I, I like him a lot. The problem is, is his durability. His injury history is a laundry list, which is very scary in my opinion. So, I mean, you are taking the good with the bad, but, I mean, if he could remain healthy in the NFL, you will see um, the Miami Dolphins quarterback position rectified for the next hopefully 10-15 years if he can last that long but it's a f- fabulous pick they had three first rounders in this draft and they solidify the offensive line by getting Austin Jackson uh, offensive tackle from USC another behemoth of a man he was highly regarded as one of the best tackles in this draft 6'5 322 pounds he does a lot of things right and you needed to add protection for this offensive line that really 
really struggled. They hit a defensive back, Noah uh, Iguanakne from Auburn. I probably butchered his name as well. So this was interesting. They already signed defensive backs on the open market. I, I was wondering how come they went to fetch another one. Um, but again, can't hate it. They follow it up in the second round with guard, uh, defensive tackle. And I mean, again, so as you move down their board, they're filling their needs. They're hitting the defensive line. They're hitting the offensive line. Um, and I really like it. I think this is, I've always preached that you need to rebuild a club from the ground up. It's got to be in the trenches, offensive line, defensive line. If you do those things extremely well, then the talent will follow. But now you have the quarterback. You already have um, receivers in in uh, Devonte Parker in that rookie Williams. I can't remember his first name right now, but uh, he he showed on. Isaiah Ford is another receiver. Albert Wilson, if he can come back from injury and be healthy this season, I mean he can add to this group as well. And then on top of that, you signed Jordan Howard in the off season, and then you traded for Matt Breida. So I mean you have pieces that you're building a team around, and I like what they're doing. I can't say. A lot of negatives on Miami. I mean, it's going to still take. You're still, what, two, three years away from actually becoming uh, a contending team. Um, Tua's injury, is he going to be a red shirt this year and, and sit? and uh, watch Ryan Fitzpatrick lead the way, I would not be shocked one bit. But, I mean, uh, very, very nice draft. So when we move along to a division rival of the Dolphins, the New England Patriots are the next one here in their draft room. So obviously the biggest news was Tom Brady's leaving. He went to Tampa Bay, and then you saw Rob Gronkowski. He came out of retirement, and he also followed Tom Brady to Tampa Bay, um, uh, which was very interesting to me. So the New England Patriots have holes galore on this draft. They traded out of the first round, try to get more draft capital, and, and you see it's Bill Belichick doing what he does. He drafts Kyle Duggar from Lenore Rhine, the college. I mean, this guy, he was he was not regarded as, as a top-end safety in this draft, uh, in my opinion. Then he follows that up with a defensive end, Josh Oosh. Um, again, here we go, Michigan talent. So his lines come from his connections. I'm talking about Bill Belichick from the college ranks. He relies heavily on these guys to feed him the information on these players, and then they end up turning out. So you can't hate and you can't um, uh, disagree and criticize Bill Belichick for what he does because his teams have been so good. But this is going to be the year that we see, was it Tom Brady or was it Bill Belichick? Um, who was the one that needed whom more? Right. I think that is going to be a, a very telling sign um, this season. Obviously, Brady has loaded himself with the uh, supreme talent at the receiver position in Tampa Bay. Uh, we'll get to that on the next show. We'll make this obviously a part two series uh, for the NFC. But New England's draft, I, I don't like it. They went they went double tight end in the third round, 27th pick and then 37th pick. Um, uh, they went Devin Asia. And, and Dalton Keene. I'm sorry if I'm, I'm, I'm pronouncing the, these names wrong. Um, but again, this class, this tight end class was not overly stout. I wasn't impressed. And, and, and he goes back to back to, to try to uh, recreate the tandem on the tight end position. So, I mean, this draft class, I'm, I'm not going to say fail, but I'm definitely not overly impressed. Um, with the class whatsoever so moving to the Jets right now with Adam Gase he's trying to help his team be a lot better than what it was last season 
And I mean, a lot of the talk was that they were going to go wide receiver in the first round. It was going to be either Jerry Judy or CD Lamb, and they buck the trend. They go Makai Becton, offensive tackle, and this was the right move in my opinion, especially with a wide receiver class as deep as it is. Yes, do I love CD Lamb and his ability? Absolutely. Would it have been a fit here in New York? Absolutely, but you need to find protection for Sam Darnold. This is it. I mean, we saw it for years with Andrew Luck with the Colts. Lack of protection led to his injuries, which led to an early retirement. You need to rectify this offensive line, and Becton is from Louisville, another mammoth behemoth of a man, six foot seven, 364 pounds. He will be that blindside protector for Sam Darnold. Just beautiful, beautiful draft pick. Follow up in the second round. So like we said, they passed on Jerry Judy. They passed on CeeDee Lamb. And they followed that up with Denzel Mims. So you can't hate it. I mean, Denzel Mims is a highly regarded talent as well. He's got all the intangibles. My only question with Mims is... Does he have enough to be that solid weekly number one wide receiver every single week? That's where I question it. His his comp for me was Mike Williams from the Chargers. He's got the size, prototypical size and frame. He's very strong. He is the red zone killer. He will score you the touchdowns. That fade is basically automatic. He creates separation uh, basically with, uh, with ease uh, at times when he wants to. Um, the slant and fade were his favorite routes in college, so I expect a whole heck of a lot of that. I mean, his combine speed versus his tape speed doesn't match, and that was kind of where I was uh, questioning Mims. And then he does have drops, and his release is somewhat average. But, I mean, if you're getting Mike Williams um, of a player on this offense who lost Robbie Anderson, how can you dislike it? You needed to add more playmakers, and Mims following that up with that offensive tackle I think was was a very, very good signing. And then as you move down their board, I mean, again, depth and, and a lot of players that I may question here or there, um, but I really don't dislike this draft for the Jets. I think they could have done better. I think uh, there was a lot more pieces they could have added uh, that would have helped them right away. Um, but overall, it's it's not a terrible draft, but the Jets are still in decline, and they're still going to take some time to grow and gel as a club. So moving to the Pittsburgh Steelers, we're almost at the uh, last couple teams here for the AFC. Pittsburgh, they didn't have a first-round pick as they traded that to the Miami Dolphins for Makai Fitzpatrick, uh, or Minka Fitzpatrick, excuse me, um, last offseason before the trade deadline. So they started their draft in the second round, and they selected Chase Claypool, wide receiver from Notre Dame. This guy is someone that you would want to think would want to convert to the tight end position simply because he is so tall and he is so big. He's 6'4", 238. I mean, there is questions to his game. Uh, Can he be um, that prototypical outside receiver that's going to be that mismatch to draw coverage from Juju Smith-Schuster, Deontay Johnson? And I think this was a... you, you can't argue Pittsburgh. I think this is the thing. They know how to draft wide receivers, and if they tell me they see something in Claypool, I mean, you, you got to start listening. Um, he is going to be a definite mismatch and something that this offense does not have at this point, and it could be a very sound draft pick. 
for this club. Coming in the third round, they take Alex Highsmith from Charlotte, linebacker. I think that was something of a reach at that point. Um, filling depth needs uh, uh, is definitely how I see that move. Uh, they could have got him later in the draft. But then they follow that up in the fourth round with Anthony McFarlane Jr. This guy is a very talented player. A lot of people wanted to comp him as uh, Jamal Charles. I kind of settled more on Felix Jones. Um, Same type of guy. I mean, don't let Felix Jones statistics in the NFL fool you. He was coming out of college, very very highly recruited and talented player. Uh, But when you talk about Anthony McFarlane, he has rocket acceleration. This guy, if he gets past you on that edge, he's gone. His speed is just explosive. He's got great break tackle. He's not afraid of contact. His body type is very, very strong and stout. Um, His inside and outside runs, which was impressive, he can get the edge, and he is actually quite patient on the inside. He is actually the biggest boom-bust prospect for the running backs, in my opinion. He does have something of an injury history as well, so that's something to keep an eye on, especially with James Conner's injury history. But I think when you see the season move forward, you could see McFarlane actually start to find his way into this offense and stealing touches. So I I really like that. But, I mean, outside of that, nothing really to speak highly of um, for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, So let's move right along to the Tennessee Titans. And here we go again. So Tennessee found their way to 9-7, and found their way to the AFC Championship against the Kansas City Chiefs, and they obviously lost. But then they re-upped uh, Ryan Tannehill to his big contract, and and when you look on this on the on this roster on the paper, they are built extremely well. There isn't a lot of holes that you can argue on this on this team and this draft. So they had. Uh, uh, what seven picks as well one two three four five no sorry they had five picks on the board and and they hit home runs as well so the first pick they had was uh, the 29th overall selection and they select isaiah wilson another offensive tackle this time from georgia six foot seven 350 pounds so you lost conklin in free agency to the cleveland browns and now you replace that with isaiah wilson if this guy can pan out you just hit a home run at the back end of the first round this guy is a beast in his own right his grade was uh very impressive from the scouting department i believe he hit like uh 88 or 89 um he he's very very highly regarded and i think that was a home run for them as well especially since you need uh, your run game to be very dominant with derrick henry i thought that was an absolute steal at pick 29 following that up in the second round they stole christian fulton from lsu the defensive back I couldn't understand why Fulton was falling down the board as well. I mean, we saw Diggs, uh, Trayvon Diggs go ahead of him. Um, They were kind of in the same realm, in my opinion. Um, I I really like a lot of Fulton's game. People want to question that he doesn't have the size and the length to, you know, jam the NFL receivers, but he is a He's a ball hawk, man. He had, what, 25 pass deflections uh, during that span. So, I mean, you're going to get this guy competing with top-end NFLers on a weekly basis. This was a great, great draft pick for a defense that is still very stout and very stacked. I liked it a lot. So in the third round, so we got another beautiful pick, in my opinion, Darrington Evans from Appalachian State, the running back. So clearly... 
at this point, you know Derrick Henry is going to be the bell cow again. He is going to be that guy. They released Deion Lewis in the offseason. This is the replacement to Deion Lewis. So he is very fast, this uh, Darrington Evans. When you watch him on tape and his cuts uh, on the field, when he gets in the open field, he does this. It's not even a cut. He just does like a body lean, and then he breaks the the next gear and he's gone but he just doesn't seem to lose any kind of speed or momentum on those those cluts it's it's how i characterized it was ridiculously fluid he was it's an elite change of direction superb burst and he's a finesse back no kidding about it i mean he will be great in the screen game he will be great as a change of pace for derrick henry and and you got to think that okay he signs the derrick henry signed the franchise tag so you got to think they're going to work him into the ground this year the titans will and then maybe darrington evans gets a shot to have uh mop-up duties but he is a definitely a stellar talent um he doesn't have all the intangibles you want for a three down back but i mean he is very very talented and then they fill it up the rest of their draft with uh excuse me with depth needs and and character players so i mean that's the afc draft class i was quite impressed with a lot of teams like i said but i mean at this point i i I refuse to give draft grades because you really won't know what these these draft classes will be um until you're out about three years so i will refuse the right to to put a grade on any of these teams but there were a lot of teams that i did like in what they did so um on that note you know we'll make this a part two Uh, next episode will be the nfc draft class and i'll break down those rosters as well and then follow that up later on hopefully with some fantasy football talk as as this is starting to heat up as we're getting closer uh potentially for the nfl to return so again on that note this is the adf underground thank you for tuning in you can find me on twitter at chris underscore adf1 you can find the show on twitter at adf underground this show is available on itunes spotify iHeartRadio, Podbean, wherever you get your shows so as i mentioned stay tuned for part two and until next time stay humble stay peaceful and take care of each other i'm out